Wake at 8.30 in the morning. Well, hey, while you're clapping, do me a favor and welcome those who are watching us right now live online. We appreciate you guys and thankful for you and that you're part of our worship experience this morning. We are in week three of a series that we're calling Made for Mondays. And we're really just trying to figure out how we can take what is often looked at or maybe perceived as a dreadful day called Monday. We want to turn it into a mission and so if you haven't had a chance to maybe uh, keep up with our uh, current series, I encourage you to go back, maybe rewatch week, week one or week two, which maybe which, whichever one you may have missed. But uh, this has been one that has been challenging me as we've been going along and inspiring me as well. And my prayer is that it will do the same for you. And you'll have a different perspective as it relates to not just your work week, but really just how you approach um, really the opportunity that God has given us to make a difference in the workplace. And we're going to just dive in today. I have a lot that I want to share. And if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1. Of course, it's in the notes. And this has really been our theme verse of Scripture for this series. And I love how the message, uh, paraphrased uh, translation, really kind of captures the heart of this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul emphasized, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, and then let's all say this one out loud together, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an what? Say it out loud. Offering. When we do that, when we embrace what God does for us, it's the best thing that we can do for Him. So in essence, God wants us to turn our work into worship. It means we can simply turn our Mondays into a mission. And here's what I've learned. I've learned that as we put God at the center, in other words, when we honor God, not just in how we live, but we even honor God in the workplace. In other words, when we elevate God, God has a way of elevating us before others. Amen? So your, listen, your dedication will result in your elevation. So we've got to commit our lives in such a way to honoring God and how we live, taking our ordinary, everyday lives, everything we do, place it before God as an offering and allow God to take our dedication and transfer it into an elevation to make a difference in the lives of other people. In other words, God wants us to stand out. And I love how Jesus emphasized this as he was teaching there on the Sermon on the Mount with his disciples in Matthew chapter 5. And oftentimes we associate this particular verse. You know, we like to maybe read this verse during the Christmas season, you know, when we associate being the light of the world. But God wants us to be the light of the world throughout 365 days of the calendar year, amen? Not just Christmas and Easter, not just a feel-good moment, but no, the Bible says this in Matthew 5, verses 15 and 16. Jesus said, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Well, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So God wants you and he wants me to stand out. He wants us to shine in the way we work, in how we work. Why? Because when we understand the why we work, it has a profound effect on the way we work. I'll never forget when uh, Michelle and I 
When we first moved to, uh, to Florida um, from Texas many years ago, our children were much smaller. And uh, we had, a, at that time, had, Michelle had just had our son Luke. He was an infant. So we had two small children, a newborn, a baby. And um, we, were, we were in need of a family car. <laughs> so we decided we were going to uh, try to find a family-friendly vehicle. I met a guy who happened to uh, uh, be a wholesaler. So he went back and forth to the auctions to find, uh, you know, vehicles and, and sell them on a car lot. And so one day I was talking to him and I said, hey, I said, if you ever, if you ever run across a good family vehicle, man, I'm in the market of finding a, a car. He said, well, what kind of car specifically are you looking for? I said, well, anything, you know, I said, anything but a minivan. Don't want a minivan. I said, but anything that will allow us to have multiple, multiple, I just didn't want to be stereotyped, you know, as the typical young parent driving a minivan. So I said, well, I want to get Michelle something that would be, you know, kind of a really cool thing, you know, where, where we could just like a bus, you know, we could just pack them all in. And so, because I knew we'd be carpooling from here to there. And so he called me one day and he said, I found your car. I said, what is it? He said, it's a Suburban. I said, man, I don't know about that. I said, that's, that's a big car, but I, I don't know if we can afford that. He said, look, this is an amazing deal. He said, he said it's got low miles on it. He said, it's in mint condition. He said, it's, it's one owner. He said, I'm convinced you're really going to like it. I said, well, I said, what color is it? He said, it's red. And I thought to myself, red? Man, I'm associating red with like a sports car, you know, a Ferrari or something like that. He goes, man, it's beautiful. I said, that's a lot of red. That's a, that's a big car. That's a lot of red. They're going to see you coming down the road. He said, trust me, he said, you'll love it. Well, I gave him the green light. He went ahead and bought it. I'll never forget when, when Michelle and I pulled up into the parking lot where he had it sitting out there for us. The first thing I saw was not the red car. The first thing I saw were these obnoxious lights on top of the car. He didn't tell me about those. The previous owner had used that vehicle to tow a horse trailer. And so it was like a semi-truck, you know, coming down the road. And so not only do we have these obnoxious lights on top of the, you know, on top of the, the car, but we also had this bright, I mean, like fire engine red Suburban. Well, over, over the course of time, you know, our kids, you know, they, grown, they grew to love the car, and we gave it multiple nicknames. You know, it was known as Big Bertha to our kids and all their friends, and, and a lot of times the kids, their friends, when we were carpool, and they would see Michelle pull up in the pickup line, they was, oh, here comes Mama G, Mama G in the big red truck. And so we just had a lot of fun with that car. And I never forget, after we kind of like wore it out, we eventually uh, turned it back in. We sold it, and we got another one, and it happened to be a black one. And I loved that one. I thought, man, finally we got the red one, you know, completely out of the picture here. And, uh, and Michelle, after she drove it around for several months, she began to really begin to complain. I said, what's the problem? She said, I missed the red truck. I said, why? She said, because... You know, it just had, there was just a lot of personality behind it. It just stood out. She said, now I just kind of blend in with all the other moms. And I thought to myself, you know, that's the way we're supposed to be at work. We're supposed to stand out. Man, when you come walking through the doors, they ought to say, here she comes. Here he comes. You know, because of what we're bringing. We're bringing the enthusiasm. We're bringing the excitement. We're bringing the passion into what we do. And so here's the thing I want to, what I, what I really want us to understand and, and really kind of unpack today is that we're, we're really looking specifically at six qualities 
through the life of Joseph that I think we can apply to our everyday lives, especially at our workplace, to help us be a standout so that we can shine, so that we can glorify God in everything that we do. Now, last week we talked about Joseph as it relates to the challenges and the difficulties that he went through. And like we all encounter from time to time, or maybe you're in that moment or season right now, or maybe you're in a job or you're in a type of a career that maybe you don't enjoy, maybe you feel like, you know, you're just kind of like a, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of misplaced, you're, you're, maybe you're surrounded by people, you know, that, that for whatever reason, it's just not a, a wholesome or maybe a, a healthy, or maybe, maybe it's just not a, a place where you just feel comfortable even working. You're surrounded by difficulties. And sometimes we often question, God, why me? Why here? Why this? Why now? And oftentimes we get defeated and discouraged, but we learned last week how to turn that situation around. Well, this week we're going to learn what really God used in Joseph's life, not only to overcome the difficulties, but ultimately what it was that Potiphar saw in Joseph's, Joseph's life that eventually elevated him to second in command. Listen, one of the most powerful men over all of Egypt. Now, before we dive into these six qualities, let me just give you a quick uh, Wikipedia version, that, uh, uh, just a really a quick snapshot of the story of Joseph. It's a very big story, but we're going to kind of really begin because in, 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 in uh, Genesis chapter 37, one of the things that we learn is, is that you know, Joseph was one of uh, six children. He was actually the next to the youngest. He wasn't the baby. I'm sorry, he was one of 12 children. He was next to, uh, next to the youngest. And one of the things that, um, that we learn, you know, you, you often hear of the six tribes of Israel. Well, these six tribes came from Jacob, who happened to be the father of Joseph. And we all know the story of Abraham, we have Isaac, and we have Jacob. Those are the patriarchs of our faith. And yet, here you have Jacob, who has 12, he has 12 children, 12 sons, and here's the thing, what's powerful is that in this, in this story is, is, a, is a unique situation in the fact that Jacob had favored his son, Joseph. I don't know what it was about Joseph. The Bible says that because he was born to Jacob and his wife at a, at a very late age or stage in their lives, there was something about Joseph that was very near and dear to the heart of Jacob. So therefore, he favored Joseph among all the other brothers. Well, this made the other brothers jealous and upset, so much so that they begin to scheme and they begin to, to really to, 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 to strategize. He came up with a plot on how to basically take him out. They wanted to kill their brother, Joseph. And so we know the story. They, they, they took him out um, into an area. Uh, they were going to eventually kill him, throw him in a pit. And one of the brothers, the older brother, Reuben, said, no, no, let's don't kill him. You know, let's just, let's just throw him in this pit. And so they were going to make up the story and, you know, and tell their father, Jacob, you know, how, how perhaps, a, a, you know, a, a bear or a lion, you know, had, had, had killed him. And so they decided to throw Joseph into this pit. And then there, there's some travelers that come, some, some traders come, come along, and they ended up selling Joseph, their brother, to these, to these Egyptian uh, traders, if you will. And so they ended up selling Joseph, their brother, to these traders. And the traders take him down into Egypt. They put him on an auction block. Now he's sold off on an auction. And now he's taken into a foreign, a strange land. And he goes to work as a slave 
for a man by the name of Potiphar who happens to be the captain of the Egyptian army. So here you have the situation. He's betrayed by his brothers. He's sold off as a slave. Now he's working for someone in a different place, a different culture, a different situation. But there was something about Joseph that in light of his situation and the circumstances, everything he did prospered. Everything he touched turned to gold. There was some kind of favor and supernatural blessing upon Joseph that made him stand out among everybody else. And so the, really the question is, is what was it about Joseph that got the attention of Potiphar? What was it about Joseph that everything he did turned to success? What was it about Joseph, for whatever reason, seemed to allow him to be elevated so much so that over time, he was put in charge and was really the ruler over all of Egypt. Well, we're going to look at six specific qualities. And these six specific qualities through Joseph's life are not necessarily in any kind of order in terms of priority. They're really in chronological order as it relates to the events that took place in Joseph's life. And so if you have your, have your notes handy and maybe you have, have something to write with, let me encourage you to jot these down. So here's the first quality as it relates to how we can stand out by learning through the things that made Joseph stand out among others. The first is the word audacity. Joseph was a person who possessed a lot of audacity. Well, we see it, first of all, described in Genesis 37, verses 5 and 10. It says, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Well, eventually later, he went and told his father, Jacob. And in verse 10, it says, this time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. Now, why was that? There was something about Joseph he thought big. He had a dream. And as far as he was concerned at the time, he didn't necessarily understand the dream. But God had put a dream in his heart. And one day, he believed that he was going to be elevated into a high position. And one day, his brothers, including his entire family, including his father, one day would bow down to him. Well, that obviously made not only his father upset, it ticked his brothers off. So they were already jealous of Joseph, and this is the thing that drove them to want to either kill him or sell him off. But the thing that we got to understand about Joseph is that he was a dreamer. He was a visionary. In other words, he had the audacity to think big, and not just think big, but to step out in faith and actually, actually put words behind his vision. Now, here's what I've learned um, in my life and I'm sure you probably have encountered this maybe a time or two in your own life. Um, sometimes your dream or your vision of what it is that maybe you feel called to do or led to do, maybe you have an idea, maybe there's just something that's burning inside of your spirit and you just want to get it out. Well, here's what I've learned. One of the things that's, that's, um, that sometimes just as a word of cautionary is that when you tell your dream to somebody, you want to make sure you tell your dream to the right people. And the reason why is because not everybody may like your dream. Not everybody may agree with your idea. Not everybody will understand your idea or dream. And therefore, if we don't tell our dream to the right people, a lot of times those people will take our dream and here's what they'll do. 
they'll criticize it. A lot of times they'll try to tear it down and they'll pour cold water all over whatever it is that God has placed inside of your heart. So you got to use wisdom when it comes to not only what you say, but who you say it to and how you say it. Because here's what I learned. I learned from Joseph, just reading his story, is that he may have had a good idea, he may have had a burning passion in his heart, and a big dream, and whatever he said was true, because it eventually came to pass. But at that time, it's what he said, and it's to who he said it, and it's how he said it that eventually got him into trouble. So we got to make sure when it comes to the ideas and it comes to the things that we, that we dream about, the visions, the, really the, the, the burning passions within our heart, that we use wisdom in what we say and how we say it and who we say it to. My dad, many years ago, my dad was very successful um, in the ministry and uh, he traveled as a, uh, as a traveling evangelist. And God used him to, to, to win over a million people to Christ over the course of 60 years of his life. And what's interesting is that my dad learned very quickly that when he shared ideas and visions with people, a lot of times they were met with opposition, opposition or criticism. So he encountered that so much, especially in his early years, that he decided, uh, he met a guy who helped him with this, but he, he had a guy uh, basically carve out of wood a saying that my father came up with and on my father's desk, he had this little wood plaque, if you will, that was, uh, that was right there on the edge of his desk. And here's what it said. He said, think small because big ideas upset religious people. You know, it's interesting that Jesus encountered the same thing. It's interesting that the greatest opposition and criticism that he encountered were not from the lost it was not those who needed to be reached. It was from those who were already reached. It was from the insiders. It was from the religious crowd who gave him the most criticism, who tried to pour cold water on what Jesus had come to do, which was to seek and to save that which was lost. And so when you think about Joseph, here's what he possessed. He possessed a spirit of audacity. Now, what is audacity? In other words, what is the definition well, here's how it's defined. It is the courage to think big, take initiative, and be willing to take risk even while facing the possibility of failure. You know, what's interesting is that uh, when we decided to step out in faith to uh, purchase a piece of property, you know, we, we, uh, we, we didn't have a slam dunk type of a situation. We knew there was going to be obstacles. We knew that there were going to be challenges. But we just really felt, and our leadership felt, that it was time and it was an opportunity for us to step out in faith and trust God to be God in that moment. And sure enough, we did. But what we learned through that is that, you know what? Hey, we would rather fail. We would, listen, we would rather step out in faith and fail rather than sit back and do nothing in fear. And I've learned that so often what happens is that people are afraid to share an initiative. They're, they're afraid to share a dream. They're, they're afraid to speak up and, and share an idea. Why? Because fear paralyzes them for the fear of what some, somebody might think, what somebody might feel, what somebody might, might do. And we have to step out with the audacious faith of saying, God, listen, I'm putting my faith and my trust in you that if you're not in it, then let it fail. 
Because we don't ever want to be a part of something that God obviously is not a part of. Amen? And so I, we had the opportunity, my wife Michelle and I had the opportunity to meet a guy by the name of Bob Goff this past week. And he's a New York Times bestselling author. Incredible story. Long story short, he made a statement. And I'll never forget what he said. He made this statement. He said, I would rather fail trying than fail watching. And he said, so often what happens is that so many people spend their entire lives watching other people pursue their dreams and their aspirations, but yet we were afraid to step out in faith and pursue it ourselves. Listen, we have to have the audacity to speak up in the workplace, to, to share an initiative, to, to take whatever idea that God has placed in our hearts and share it with those that God, listen, that God may use the idea that he's placed inside of your heart to make a significant difference in your workplace, in the lives of other people, in your company, or whatever it might be. And so when we look at, uh, when we look at Joseph, Joseph possessed an audacious quality and characteristic about him. So the question is, what areas of your life do you need to take more initiative in? What areas in your life do you need to think bigger in? What areas in your workplace perhaps do you need to maybe speak up more when it comes to revealing your ideas and revealing the vision or the dreams that perhaps God has led you to pursue? The second thing we know about Joseph related to his story is not only was he a person of audacity, but he was also, he was also when, when it came to Potiphar, Potiphar was attracted to his likability. In other words, there was a likability factor about Joseph. And here's the thing about likability. Likability is important. The reason why is because if people don't like you, they're not going to trust you. And if they don't trust you, they're not going to listen to you. So there was something about Joseph that Potiphar was drawn to. There was something about him that Potiphar liked. And because he liked Joseph, he was willing to put his trust in Joseph. And because he was willing to put his trust in Joseph, Potiphar listened to the things that Joseph had to say. In Genesis 39, verses 2 through 4, So Joseph lived in the home of Potiphar, his Egyptian owner. Soon Potiphar realized that the Lord was helping Joseph to be successful in whatever he did. And then notice carefully. Potiphar liked Joseph and made him his personal assistant. So there was something about Joseph that had the likability factor. He had this ability to, to, to draw people in. And I think it's important when you think about our, maybe our personalities. You know, it's interesting is that so often we, we, have a, uh, we have this tendency to kind of put ourselves down and we think, well, I'm just shy. I'm more reserved. I'm a, little more, I'm a little more laid back. I'm more of a behind the scenes person. And that's okay. God wires us all differently. But you can still be introverted. You can still be somebody who's more behind the scenes, but yet still be likable. You can still be a person that people are drawn to. Maybe it's your kindness. Maybe it's your sincerity, your genuineness, your authenticity, your transparency. Whatever the quality or characteristic is, those are things that we not only can possess, but those are things that God can use to make a difference in the lives of other people. Because just because you have an outgoing personality doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're a likable person. Because we've all met 
outgoing personalities that are also over-the-top obnoxious, you know, what I mean? you know what I mean? So we have to realize the fact, there's, listen, there are unique characteristics that God can place inside of us and that we can grow related to our skill sets and develop so that our personalities and the way we carry our, ourselves, the way we position ourselves, the way we treat one another, the way we talk to one another are things that people are actually drawn to. I like to say it this way. It's just the fog on our lives. You say the fog in our lives, yeah. Every single day we ought to get up and we ought to pray for the favor of God. Favor of God. So when you walk into your workplace tomorrow, guess what? You're walking in with the favor of God. When you're around people, hey, you have the favor of God. There's a likability factor that people are drawn to. The third quality that we learn as it relates to Joseph's life, and by the way, a great book that I would encourage you to get is a book by the name of, or, or, or a book by John Maxwell, and the title of the book is called Everybody Communicates But Few Connect. It's an incredible book to help people really learn and develop their skill sets on be, being more effective when it comes to connecting with other people. So Joseph had this ability who, 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 where he had this audacious faith. He shared his vision and his dreams with others. He also had this likability factor, but thirdly, he had the capacity to grow. It's interesting is that when you think about uh, our capacity, our capacity basically means it's our abilities. It's the amount of abilities that we have. And so if you are at a place in your work where you've maxed out in your abilities, then chances are you've gone as far as you're going to ever go. But when we possess the ability to continue to increase our capacity, in other words, when we continue to grow and stretch, when we continue to develop and really become what we're capable of becoming, when we continue to increase our capacity, it elevates us and it positions us to take on higher levels of impact. In other words, it's been said like this. People and rubber bands have one thing in common. You know what it is? They both have to be stretched in order to be effective. So we got to constantly be stretching ourselves. we got to constantly push ourselves out of our comfort zone because what happens is a lot of times we get comfortable. We get content. And when we get comfortable and content, guess what? We become complacent. And when we become complacent, we're no longer standing out. We're just blending in. We're no longer the person that people are drawn to because they're already beginning to see, you know what, this person has become content. They've become comfortable. Hey, the, the, the status quo is okay with them. They are complacent when it comes to the mindset that they have towards what they do. Joseph was not that kind of person. He continued to grow in his capacity. In verses 4 and 5 in Genesis chapter 39, it says, Joseph found favor in the eyes, excuse me, in his eyes, in Potiphar's eyes, and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From that day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household, for Joseph's sake, all his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and his livestock flourished. It's interesting that Joseph, keep in mind, he was sold as a slave. 
thrown in a pit, sold as a slave, put into a new place around new people. And here he was working for his master. He probably started at the lowest of lows, you know, at the bottom of the totem pole. But he continued to grow. He continued to work hard. He, he, he continued to be elevated, so much so that Potiphar eventually put him in charge. To where everything he did not only succeeded, but Potiphar got to the place where he had so much trust in Joseph because Joseph had the ability to grow and to enlarge his capacity. Think about it. He put him in charge over everything. He had to learn how to run operations. He had to learn how to run financials. He had to learn how to deal with people. He had to learn how to, to cultivate livestock. And he had to learn farming and agriculture. He had to grow and expand in his knowledge and his ability to do a very complex job. No wonder he was elevated. So he had this audacious, audacious vision. He was willing to step out in faith and take risks. He was a likable person. He continued to grow in his capacity. Which, by the way, today at 4 o'clock, we're going to give you an opportunity to grow in your capacity. In other words, you're going to learn a lot of things about yourself that maybe you didn't know. We're going to shine a light on some of your areas of strength and your, your passions and your abilities in what we call the growth track. And so that happens today at 4. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. If you've never been through our growth track, or maybe it's been years since you've been through it, go back through it again. Here's the reason why. Because you're going to, once again, revisit some things that God wants to use. Maybe he's put some, some gifts and he's put some abilities inside of you and they've grown dormant. Maybe you've put them up on the shelf and you're not using them in the way that you could or should where you're putting them on a stand to shine brightly for all to see. So let me encourage you today, four o'clock, to do that. Number five is this. Excuse me, number four is this. There was something about Joseph that made him reliable. So there was a reliability factor. In Genesis 39, verse 6, it says, So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. I love this. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. I don't know about you, but that'd be awesome to know that you had some people around you that you trusted so much that the only concern you had to, to even think about is what you're going to have for lunch or what you're going to have for dinner. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome to know that you had the, the kind of reliable, dependable people around you that possess that kind of quality? But here's what I believe. I believe that Christians, followers of Jesus, they ought to be the most committed, the most consistent, the most reliable, the most dedicated, listen, the most honoring, trustworthy people on the planet. Amen? Put our deeds out on the stands so they can shine for all to see. And that's what Joseph did. Number five was loyalty. See, there was something about Joseph where he had a very loyal spirit about him. Now, here's what I've learned about loyalty. Loyalty for a lot of people that's kind of like, oh, that's so yesterday, that's, that's old-fashioned. I'm here to tell you, today's society, we're in short supply of loyalty. You see disloyalty all over TV, listen, in sports, in politics. Man, it's in the workplace. I've come to realize the only people that people are loyal to are themselves. I mean, think about it. Most people have the attitude and mindset, well, if I do this, well, what am I going to get out of it? What's in it for me? 
And the problem is, is that we have failed to understand that loyalty is one of the most powerful, powerful values and principles and qualities and characteristics throughout Scripture. Here's what's powerful about the issue of loyalty. In fact, here's what the definition of loyalty is all about because it's rooted in trust. It is being faithful to my boss and to God when difficulty tests my commitment. You want to know the reason why Joseph was so loyal? The Bible says that one day that Joseph, because he was a very handsome man, in fact, well, let's just read it. It says in verse 39, verses 6 through, six through 9, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. She said, well, come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. He said, look, he told her, my master, and notice the key word, trust me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin to God. What's interesting is that trust is one of the keys to being a loyal person. And you know how you can trust people? Put people in difficult situations. Hey, when everybody else is bailing, when everybody else is walking out, a loyal person who can be trusted is the one who's there, the one who's still standing, the one who's still faithful. Hey, everybody likes to be loyal when everything is going good. But when you're in the valley, hey, when the ship goes into the storm, that's when you know who is truly on your boat. Those are the people who, who's going to be with you, who's going to stick with you. It's been said that when, a, when people walk out, a real friend walks in. Why? Because they can be trusted even in the most difficult times of need. That's the kind of person Joseph was. And so when you think about your workplace, when you think about the people you're around, when you think about maybe the people you work for, can they say when they think of you, hey, this is a very loyal, this is very trustworthy, hey, we've watched this person. They have a proven track record through thick and thin, through the highs and through the lows. This is a person of loyalty. And the reason why is because they're a person of character, which leads me to this sixth quality and we'll be done, and that is this. Integrity is an incredible factor when it comes to our success. And that's the kind of person that Joseph was. In Genesis 39, verse 10, notice the continuation of the situation with Potiphar's wife. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But what did he do? He refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way. You know why that was so important to him? is because he loved God so much. He wanted to honor God so much in the way he lived that he, listen, he put boundaries in his life. He avoided temptation. He avoided the situations that the enemy was trying to use to sabotage him. But here's what we gotta realize all throughout our lives, especially at work, we're gonna be asked to be, to be a part of 
compromising situations. Hey, we're going to be asked to do things that may be unethical. We're going to be challenged to do things that may, that we're, we're maybe it's perceived as, 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 as maybe stealing or, or, or maybe we're doing something that, that it, might, it might be the gain for the company, but we're having to cheat someone else out of the process. Here's the thing. At some point, at some time, we got to trust God in areas of our lives. Is it hard? Absolutely. Is, is, it, is it challenging? Could we lose our job? Possibly. But at the end of the day, listen, as long as we stay dedicated to God, when we honor God, God will honor us. When we choose to be dedicated to God, listen, our dedication will result in our elevation. Let God take care of the details. Let Him fight your battles. Be a person of integrity. Be a person of character. Be a person whom God says, you know what? I'm going to put my hand of favor on Him. I'm going to put my hand and a favor on her because that is a person who's trustworthy. That is a person because of their faithfulness. I'm going to elevate them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to, I'm going to allow them to flourish and I'm going to allow them to prosper. Whatever they do, they're going to prosper because my favor and my hand is upon them. That's the kind of testimony we should have. And that's the kind of testimony that Joseph had. No wonder God elevated him to be Second in command, one of the most powerful men in all of Egypt. He went from a pit, eventually to prison, but eventually God elevated him to a palace. And I love what the scripture says all throughout Joseph's life. And God was with Joseph. Because God was with Joseph, guess what? God is with you and he's with me. That simply means, hey, tomorrow when we go to work, we're not going alone. Hey, we have the presence of God in our lives. Amen. Hey, we're taking to God in our workplace. That's why we're turning our Monday into a mission. Hey, that's the reason why when we, when we think about our career, we think about our job, our workplace, hey, we are not just seeing it as a job. Guess what? We're going to find joy in our job because we've turned our mission into in, in, into an opportunity to shine His light, to stand out, to draw people to ourselves but not just to ourselves, but to the person of Jesus who lives in us, who's living his life through us, and eventually they're being drawn to the person of Jesus. Because when we lift Jesus up, the Bible says, he will draw all people to himself, amen? So that's the goal, that's the goal. Let's allow our, our dedication to result in our elevation to make a difference for his kingdom and for his glory. Let's bow our heads together.